0: To chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to read verses 34 down through 38. Let's all stand together, if you would. I'm not on, am I? Okay, let's see. Am I on now? Okay, very good. All right, Matthew chapter 22. Beginning in verse 34, this is the, uh, the Lord Jesus is speaking, and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees have gathered together. And it says in verse uh, 34 But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, Which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, this morning... We pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. I'm so thankful this morning for the word of God. I'm thankful that uh, my message does not depend on the preacher. My message depends upon truth as found in your word. And uh, Lord, uh, we pray that the spirit of God would have free rule and reign in this place this morning. Help us to see what needs to be our absolute number one top-of-the-pile priority in every area of our life this morning. This is a simple message, but it's one that we need to be reminded of over and over and over again. I know I need to be reminded of it often. And God, I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. I pray that you get me out of the way and allow your truth and your word and the Lord Jesus Christ to be lifted up in all things. We pray that you speak to hearts this morning. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you and give you credit for it, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. If, uh, you know, what what is, what is the greatest way that we can be obedient to God? You know, usually when we think of obedience, at least when I think of obedience, I think of what, what I do, what my actions are. Well, what What's the greatest thing that we can do to be obedient to God? If If you had to just pick one commandment in the Bible, and that's basically what what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were tempting Jesus with. If you could just pick one one commandment, what would be the greatest commandment? What would be the one that you would pick? And. Uh, uh, You know, in our in our circles, in Bible believing Baptist church circles, uh, we have a tendency to, and I, and I'm not saying this in a critical or a negative way at all. I think it's very necessary to emphasize what we call the Great Commission. Now, you won't find that term anywhere in the Scriptures. And the Great Commission is just simply this: go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the Great Commission. And that's, that's a, a great responsibility that we as people of God have. And one of the reasons why we had VBS this week was to, to find another avenue, another venue, if you would, uh, of being able to do just that. And uh, we've gotten the gospel into more homes this week just because uh, of, of our vacation Bible school. And that's a, that, that's a great thing. But here's what I find oftentimes. Sometimes we we put more emphasis on the the great commission than we do the great commandment and the great commandment that the lord jesus christ gave was was just simply this to love the lord our god with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind with all our strength uh, to put god at the top of our priority list to love him more than any person to love him more than anything, to love him more than than any any goal or aspiration that you might have in your life, and uh, this is a honestly, this is a commandment every one of us has violated, and we've violated it more times than what we would like to even remember. Uh, and and uh, it, it's important for us to 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 understand that. That uh, all sin then, if this is the greatest commandment, I was just talking with, with someone this last week about pride. Justin, I think it was you. You and I were talking about pride and how that uh, sin is rooted in pride, and it is. But I'll take it even one more step further. It's also rooted in lack, and it's lack of love, and lack of love for the Lord. And you know, this, this last week we were very busy. And uh, we had a, and as I said, we had a good week. We had a great week. I believe some kids got saved. Uh, a lot of kids got the gospel that never heard the gospel before. A lot, uh, you know, honestly, at the end of Vacation Bible School, I sit there and scratch my head and I say, okay, now, now where was the most work done? Was it with the kids or was it with the workers? <laughs> and honestly, honestly, I think at least as much, maybe more, uh, it was done in the hearts and lives of, of those who participated, and uh, uh, it, it's just it's just a good week. But here's here's where we where we have to be careful. And I, I spoke on this last week. It's easy to get busy and to forget what our top priority is. And yes, we should be busy. There's no there's no doubt about that. And I'm again I'm not saying that that was that's wrong in any stretch of the imagination. But what happens is we get our focus sometimes while we're busy off of what our priority ought to be and our priority ought to be to love the lord our god with all our heart with all our soul and with all our mind in other words put god as absolute number number one and have more affection toward him than any than anyone else in our life uh, in, by the way including ourselves amen uh, we, need to, we need to have affection toward God. And then, then they say, well, you know, he said the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor uh, as thyself. They're similar. And one of the reasons why he says like unto it is because of their, their similarities. We're to love God and then we're to love others. But the truth of the matter is you can't do the second one in, properly and rightly unless you first do the first one. If the first one is not done, and then the first one is not right, then the second one will not be completed in, in a proper manner. And if we do number one, number two is a piece of cake. Uh, if we, if we uh, love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, then our hearts are prepared, and we have a foundation that's in, in our hearts so that we can love other people properly. Um, I, I love that song that we sang this morning, I Shall Know Him, I Shall Know Him. And, and uh, Fanny, Fanny Crosby wrote, uh, wrote a lot of songs about seeing the Savior. Well, she did that because she was blind. And uh, in fact, I was talking with one of our men this week and, and uh, said, I wonder how, how many fewer songs we would have uh, today if she had her sight. But because of her blindness... Uh, it really touched her heart. And she was so longing and so looking to see your Savior. And in any of the songs that she wrote, she t- oftentimes she talked about heaven. And, and uh, she talks about, you know, the city and the lights and the, and, and the streets and all that, that stuff. Uh, but she says the, the greatest thing is seeing the Savior. And, and, and when a person loves the Lord their God, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, that's the kind of mindset that we have. That we, that we are more, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk within the last, probably the last year. It's, it's just kind of stirred up again about the, the Lord coming back, the blessed hope, you know. And uh, God come back for his own. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, look forward to that. But, you know, I wonder sometimes, why do we look forward to it? Well, I'll tell you why I look forward to it, brother, because I just want to get out of this stinking rotten world. Well, I understand, and I, I don't really even have a real problem with that, because it is a stinking rotten world at times and uh, uh th- things are not getting better things are getting worse and as you get older you know i, I remember watching years ago they had a commercial on tv and they said and the, the whole thrust of the commercial was you're not getting older you're getting better you're not getting more truthful you're becoming a bald-faced liar is what you're doing because <laughs> that's not true not physically, anyway. Uh, and so they get, there comes the tendency to say, boy, you know, let's get us out of here so that we can escape," and and that's that's okay. Just don't let that get ahead of seeing the blessed hope. That's where your hope is. Your hope isn't just in a new body. Your hope is being able to see the Savior you served all these years, and you'll have that hope, and that that will be on the forefront of looking forward to that blessed hope uh, if, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Take your, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Jesus said, the second is like unto it, and he said, love thy neighbor as thyself. The truth is, the first commandment, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your, your mind, is what gives us the enabling and gives us the empowering to be able to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in First John chapter 4, look with me down in verse 20. First John chapter 4 and verse 20. It says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that, hath, uh, for, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Um, personal relationships always point to a deeper problem. Whenever there is, I I don't care whether it's you and somebody in your family, whether it's you and somebody at work, whether it's uh, uh, you and somebody here in this church, whether it's you and somebody in the neighborhood, whether it's you and a total stranger, uh, when this kind of stuff starts happening, okay, you say, well, I'm just not loving folks the way that I should. And you're right, you probably aren't loving folks the way that you should. But can I tell you, it goes deeper than that. And if that's all you correct... You're never going to get the problem licked. It's going to keep coming up and coming up and coming up and particularly with that one person over and over and over again. The problem is not first and foremost that you're having a problem loving people. The problem is your love for God slipped. Now, don't kid yourself and don't fool yourself. You say, "Yeah, but but you know, we had we had a we had a conflict and I was right. Okay, all right, you're, when, you, when I say that person's name, how do you feel? <laughs> all right, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And, and again, we say, well, yeah, you're right. I gotta correct my attitude toward them. And yeah, you do, no doubt about it, okay? But that's a red flag you know that's that's it's it, it's uh, kind of like uh in the springtime well if you uh if you go out into your lawn around the end of may beginning of june well actually it's, it actually starts even before that just see these pretty beautiful little yellow flowers popping up all over your <laughs> your lawn and uh I, th- I think it was my mother-in-law, your mom, didn't she eat dandelion greens? <laughs> no thank you. She liked them, she thought they were great. Uh, I, guess, I guess, yay, something good can come from those stinking little yellow flowers. But uh, if you go out there and all you do is just pluck the flower, okay, that's all you do. You say, okay, I plucked the flower, I, I took care of the weed problem. No, you didn't, no you didn't. Because you took what you could see, but the roots go down in. And that thing will just keep springing up and springing up and springing up. And that's what it's like when we we have these kind of problems with one another and we say, okay, i got to resolve that problem. And you do have to resolve that problem. There's no doubt about that. But understand that there's a little red flag there and the reason why you got angry, the reason why you got ticked off, the reason why you got wrathful, Bible says the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Never does, never will. And so what does that tell us? Well, it, it tells us there's a deeper problem. And the deeper problem is, though I hate to admit it, and I don't want to admit it, sometimes we fight about admitting it, our love for God has slipped. And it has come down maybe several notches. And it it may not be noticeable in our prayer life. It may not be noticeable in our Bible reading. It may not be noticeable in, in, uh, in our church going. But it's noticeable by the red flag of having problems with others. And the reason why I have a hard time fulfilling number two is because I've not properly fulfilled Commandment number one, and that's why God calls it the Great Commandment. Go go to you're in first first John, go over to chapter five. In chapter five, look at verse one through three. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments, for this uh, is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Uh, how do you correct the problem of, of not loving others? Well, again, the reason why we're able to love others properly is because we love God properly. The reason why we cannot love others properly is because we do not love god properly so something has slipped and and what's our motivation i mean what's the thing that that drives us that causes us to love the lord uh, go with me uh, to first john chapter four and let's see look with me down to verse 19. verse 19 says we love him because he first loved us. We don't, you know, the reason why he loved us is not because there was anything lovely in us, okay? He loved us because he's God. He loved us because in spite of all he knew about us, he loved us anyway. The Bible says in John three sixteen, probably one of the most famous verses and most popular verses in all the word of God, it says, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let me ask you something. What was attractive about the world that he loved it? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Understand that when, he says, when God says he, that he so loved the world, that means every vile and wicked person in history, every vile and wicked person that you know today, uh, regardless of what your scale is for vileness, uh, vileness and wickedness, he died for all of them because he loved them. And he showed that love for them by, by sending the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, we're included in that group of vile and wicked people. And, and uh, uh, God, God did that because he's God. Well, When you understand that, then the verse that we just read really means a lot because it says, We love him because he first loved us. Why did he love us? Because he chose to. And by the way, you know, that's that's really what love is. Love is just simply a choice. You know, if you you don't love the Lord today uh, as much as you did in any other point in your life, it's because you chose not to. It isn't, you say, no, it's because uh, a certain circumstance happened in my life. No, that has nothing to do with it. It was because of, uh, of the fact that I'm having some physical problems. No, it has nothing to do with it. We don't understand, I lost my job. That has nothing to do with it. It's a choice that you made. We choose to love God. We choose not to love God. And he chose to love us. I'll be honest with you, I spent most of my saved life scratching my head saying, why in the world did he choose to love us? Particularly, why in the world did he choose to love me? Understand that God knows things about you that nobody else knows. If you have secrets, you might have secrets from your husband, you might have secrets from your wife, you might have secrets from your kids. You might have secrets from your parents, you might have secrets from your brothers and sisters, but God knows every single one of them. And he knows the depth of those secrets. Now, he doesn't just know the secret. He knows how deep that thing goes. And yet, in spite of all that, he still loves you. And particularly, if you're a child of God and you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, uh, one one of the things that I learned real, real quick after you get saved, that doesn't mean you never sin anymore. And, and not only in action, but also in thought and in heart. And God can see in the innermost depths of our hearts. He knows all about us, and in spite of all of that, he still loves us. And the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Now, there's nothing attractive about me. There's nothing attractive about you in spite of what you think. <laughs> I mean, there just really isn't. Not to God. But there's everything attractive about God. And he chose to love me. Why in the world would I would I not want to love him back? We love him because he he first loved us. And one of the things you have to be convinced of in order to love God properly. And and this is is true, I I believe, of a person, even before they get saved, they've got to understand this. After they get saved, they definitely have to understand it in order to love him properly and, and serve him and live for him. You've got to understand that God does love you. And you've got to be convinced that God loves you. Now, I realize things happen in life that make you scratch your head. Things happen on a day-to-day basis, where you say, "Why in the world did this happen? Why in the world did that happen?" You know, the uh, the oldest the oldest Bible book in your Bible uh, deals with the uh, age-old question that has been around ever since man walked the face of the earth, and that's the question: Why do the righteous suffer? Why is it that sometimes people who do right have the rug pulled off from underneath them and those that do wrong end up having a more pleasurable life? Why is that? Well, that, that book addressed that. Addressed that thing. And I realize that that can cause questions and that can cause you to scratch your head. But don't ever doubt. And it, through that whole through that whole situation of Job from beginning to end, when he lost everything, he was sitting on the ash heap, he was scraping the, his boils with a potsherd, and uh, God loved him. God loved him. He was loving him through that whole thing. He never left him. He never forsook him. Uh, he, again, Job felt like he did. But be careful. Your, your emotions and your feelings can really get you, get you off center. But, uh, but the, the truth is, we need to be convinced and, and understand that God loves us, and God loves us because of who he is. Now, take your Bibles and turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 24. So what's one of the reasons why, and this is really the absolute number one chief reason, why our life, uh, our love for God begins to diminish? why our, our love for God begins to be quenched. Now, the, the, the passage that this verse is contained in is, uh, is a tribulation passage. The Bible says that there's coming a day when the dead in Christ shall rise first, and he, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then, from after that point, there'll be a seven-year time of tribulation and before the the Lord comes back to set up his rule and reign on this earth. Matthew 24 is not talking about today. Matthew 24 is talking about the tribulation period. However, there is a principle that you can find in that passage that applies any time, any age, any person, any place. And that's in Matthew 24, and look down In verse 12, Matthew 24, 12. And he simply says, well, let's go up to verse verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And then verse 12, he says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, that's true no matter what time period you're talking about. The Bible says that the love of many shall wax cold because iniquity abounds. Now, generally speaking, he's talking about the whole earth. And you say in iniquity at that time is going to abound on the whole earth. And because it's abounding on the whole earth, the love of many will wax cold. But can I tell you something? When iniquity starts to rise up in your life, your love level for God starts to drop. Because, you see, what, what we do is we make a choice. And anytime we choose sin over God, we know it's wrong, we know God doesn't want us to do it, but we choose to do it anyway. As soon as we make that choice, what we have done is we've raised the iniquity level in our life, And we've lowered the love level for God in our life. And that's true every time. Every single time. Uh, This is something that, you know, several years ago, quite a few years ago, I got I started to get a hold of. I don't know that I've fully gotten a hold of it yet. But when you understand that, then it makes sense. Uh, The reason why sometimes you know, honestly, there are times when I've had a hard time loving God the way I'm supposed to. I'll just, I'll just say that to you. But you know why? Because I was struggling with something that was sinful in my life. Sinful thought, sinful heart attitude, sinful action, something that was wrong and against God. And when iniquity starts to grow, then, then the love begins to diminish. And it happens It happens every time. So you say, well, okay, what, what, what can I do then? to insulate my heart. You know, I, the years, years ago, I came across a, a fellow that made a, I thought at the time, and I still do, very profound observation. He said, when you're raising children, he said, uh, yeah, you, you know, you want to keep them from the evil as best you can, but in reality, they're gonna grow up in the world and, and they're gonna come in contact with that stuff. He said, so what you need to do is not isolate them, but insulate them. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Insulate them. What does that mean? That means take care of the heart. Take care of the heart, because that's where the whole thing starts. So go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. In 1 Timothy 1, look down at verse 5 it says now the end of the commandment is charity well if you think about it uh, you know he started out he said love the lord the god with all thy heart all thy soul all thy mind and all thy strength and then the second is like unto it love thy neighbor as thyself so he's saying that 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 uh, uh it starts with loving god and then it it ends with loving others and the end of the commandment is charity. How do you have that kind of heart that can show that kind of love? It says it comes out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. According to that, there's there's three elements that uh, need to be taken care of in our hearts, and need to be present in our hearts. We need to have. Uh, we need to have a pure heart. In other words, your motives need to be right. It's not just what you do, but why do you do what you do? I am convinced with all my heart that the, the judgment seat of Christ, when when we as saved people go before God or judged for our works, we're not judged as to whether or not we'll go to heaven, that's already was taken care of the, on, the, on the cross in the day that we trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. But, The judgment seat of Christ uh, determines and judges our works. And there's a key phrase in there that says of what sort they are. You know what the sort means? It doesn't mean what kind you did. (laughs) It means what was the motivation for it? Why did you do what you did? What was the underpinning? What was the bottom of the line when it comes to your work for god and so our motive needs to be be right number two he says and of a good conscience in order to have a heart that that loves the lord and then eventually loves others you've got to not only have the right motives but and 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 have a heart that's pure in other words your your sin is confessed you've you've got that those things taken care of and that kind of kind of slides right into the second one a good conscience. Because a good conscience, Paul talked about that a lot. He says, I have a good conscience before God and before man. And it's always got to be in that order. It's just like love, love God, love people. Well, have a good conscience toward God, have a good conscience toward people. But it's always in that order. And uh, uh, what he's talking about there is just, just, as far as I know to the best of my ability, everything is right between me and God. As far as I know to the best of my ability. Everything is right between me and others. Someone cannot point to me and say, uh, they should have taken care of, you know, Pastor Dunbar should have taken care of such and such, but he did not, and that's why we're at odds with one another. Um, Having a good conscience is knowing that you're right and that you've done all that you can do. And when I say right, I don't mean I'm right and you're wrong. Not that kind of right. I'm talking about being right right. With God, and then right with others, and having the right kind of relationships, and then the last thing is faith, and a faith unfeigned. You know, I'm convinced the reason why it says faith unfeigned is because we can we can fake it too easily sometimes, and we can, you know, I, I've I've seen that over the last year and a half. You know, people saying, "Yeah, I bless God, I trust the Lord," and then you see him. Shaken in fear over, over the COVID virus. Now, I don't think the COVID virus is anything to, to sneeze at. That's probably not a good, good way to say it. But nonetheless, uh, you know what I'm saying, okay? <clears throat> and uh, as soon as I said that phrase, I thought, well, that's stupid. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's nothing, it's nothing to, to, to push off. It can be extremely serious. But you know what, there's a lot of things in life that can be extremely serious. Bottom line is, are you trusting God? That's where the faith kicks in. Faith kicks in when you say, hey, look, um, you know, I, I got such a blessing in studying so far in um, in the adult class in Sunday school, uh, just an hour before this. Um, we're, we're, we're studying the life of Elisha. And um, there's a woman that, God gave a child to in later in life she and her husband and the child gets a uh, gets a headache he gets some severe pains in his head and he ends up dying and uh, she goes to see the prophet and in the process the prophet uh, Elisha sends his servant to greet her and the servant says uh, how, how are things going essentially uh, is it well? Is it well with your, uh, with your husband? Is it well with you? Is it well with your son? And she turns around and she says, it is well. Now, hey, hang on. Her, her son just died. How can it be well? I don't think she was lying. <laughs> I don't think she was putting on a front like you and I do. And we say, yeah, everything's great. You know, and we really are saying everything stinks. (laughs) You know, it's lousy. Uh, I don't think she was doing that at all. You know what she was doing? She was saying, it is well, because God's in control. That was faith. That was faith. I mean, he's already dead. Why, Why go see the prophet? Because she had faith. She believed that there was a God that could raise him from the dead. And it's faith unfeigned. If you have those, those three things in your life, if you, have, if you have a pure heart, you have a good conscience, you have faith unfeigned, then you've got the foundation for a heart that can love God and love God supremely. Um, how do we express that love that we have? You know, the Bible says we ought to love God with all our heart. Our, with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. How do we do that? Take your Bibles and go to John 14. How do we, how do we express that supreme, overall, over-the-top love for God that we're supposed to have? Go to, go to John 14, go to 21 through 24. Verse 21, Jesus is speaking. He says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Now what what he's just simply saying is that if you really if you really love the Lord with all, all your heart, then you'll keep his commandments. You'll be obedient. You'll do what pleases him. And and when we do that, when we express our love through obedience, there's benefits, two huge benefits. Number one, God shows his love to me. God shows his love to you. When I'm obedient, when you're obedient, God shows us his love, and he makes it apparent. I remember talking to a guy years ago who, who had been saved for quite a while. And I could tell he was discouraged. And, you know, when a person is discouraged, everything that they say is not necessarily true. And I'm not saying that they're lying on purpose. I'm just saying they're down in the dumps, so so everything looks bad. And uh, he looked at me over a table when we were sitting down having a cup of, cup of coffee, and he says, you know, he said, I hear people in our church talk about, and this is years ago, they're not, the person's not here anymore. But he uh, said, uh, you know, I... I uh, uh, hear people in our church talking often about uh, God, God loves me because of this, God loves me because of that. He says, you know what? I've never seen in my life God show his love to me. Now, I think he has. He, I, I don't believe that he's recognized. I believe he was a saved man. But you know what he was admitting to me? There was some disobedience in his life. Now, you know, I didn't point my finger at him and tell him that necessarily. But I tried to show him that, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will, I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Uh, God will love you back. And you'll see expressions of his love when you keep his commandments. And then secondly, uh, it, he'll manifest himself to you. That that means you'll see Him. You'll see Him plainly. You know, you've heard me often talk about you got to see God. Well, the way you see God is you love Him and you obey Him. And you show show Him, you manifest your love to Him uh, by your obedience. Um, How do you know when somebody loves you? For instance, you know, uh, how do you folks know? My wife and I, next year, we will be celebrating 50 years of marriage. And uh, I'm, just, I'm thankful for the wife that God has given me. I really am. And, and uh, uh, I think it's pretty obvious around here that uh, the preacher loves his wife, and the preacher's wife, believe it or not, and you don't know why, but he, she loves him back. <laughs> you know, And how do you know that? Well, uh, you know that by what she says. The things that she says about me. You know by... Sometimes, anyway... Uh, uh, <laughs> you, you know, by, by uh, how she treats me She treats me well She treats me a whole lot better than I deserve And then you know, by specific acts of love um, You know, I, I've, I've been counseled otherwise by other preachers You know, one of the things you never want to do Is you never want to show outward affection Towards your wife in the church building Oh, poo Now, I, t- that, that's, that's the original Greek, poo, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 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 you no, know, I don't think you ought to sit in the, you know, and I've seen some of this even here. Uh, not you folks, but uh, I, I've, I've, seen, uh, I've seen folks making out in the pew. I don't think you ought to be doing that in church, okay? But uh, expressions of love. Well, how, do you, how does God know that you love him? Well, what you say about him. How you treat him. And specific acts of love that you show toward God. Now, how do you sum this whole thing up? Well, go with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 12. And we'll close with this. Bottom line is the greatest thing that you could do is love God. Now, when you love God, then it's going to come out in your soul winning. It's going to come out in your church attendance. Uh, it's gonna come out in the way you treat others. It's gonna come out in your giving. It's gonna come out in a whole bunch of different ways. But honestly, folks, we can do some of those things and do them, you know, pretty well, and yet not love God the way that we should. It's gotta start with loving God. Mark chapter twelve and just two verses, and I'm done. Verses twenty-nine 29- and thirty, Mark chapter 12, verse, verse uh, 29, says, and, and Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Let me just close by asking you a question. Does verse 33 where he says love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all the, the uh I'm sorry, verse 30. Uh, It says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Does that describe your love for God? Right now. If it doesn't, what are you going to do about it? Because there's one thing I've learned about God. He never asks me to do something that he doesn't enable me to do So if he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and all thy strength, then it's possible. If you're saved, and you know the Lord is your Savior, you can love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And this is a great commandment. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for a book that's plain. I don't think there's anybody, including the preacher, that couldn't understand the verses that we read this morning. They were pretty plain. They were pretty straight. And God, uh, we recognize that uh, when we sin, whether it be with others or whether it be with habits or whether it be with words, whether it be with actions, whether it just be with thoughts in our hearts? Whenever we sin, it's because our love for you has dropped. And Lord, the more we sin, the more it drops. God, I pray that you'd help us to get a hold of that this morning and help us to get a hold of the fact, there's nothing greater that we can do than to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and all our strength. God, work in hearts this morning. There may be someone here or someone listening online this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I pray that you help them to see that they need to turn their heart toward you. They need to believe they're a sinner on their way to hell and the only way they can go to heaven is by putting all their faith and all their trust in what you did and no faith, no trust in anything that they have done or will do, ever. It's all the death, the burial, and the resurrection in Jesus Christ that gives us forgiveness of sins. And I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, if there's someone here in this sanctuary that needs to take care of that thing this morning, I pray they might come forward, come toward the pulpit and let me know. And we'll... Take someone and have them take them into another room and sit down with the Word of God and show them how they can get that thing settled, not just for today, but for all eternity. Lord, uh, maybe there's somebody out there this morning that uh, there was a time when they loved God more than they do right now. Well, that thing's remediable. That thing's fixable. You wouldn't tell us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength if we couldn't do it, if we didn't have the capability. So, Father, I pray that whatever they need to get right, whatever sin they need to confess and forsake, whatever whatever they need to do. And I pray that would get done today. God, speak to hearts. Have your will and way in our hearts today. Help us to say yes to you for us in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.